Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. Could Microsoft be the next big company to get in the sports wagering space? We give you our selections for March Madness and the NCAA Conference Tournaments. And what's going to happen in Ontario, Canada, once sports wagering becomes more available? And welcome to TDR's Guaranteed Money Podcast. I am Ryan Doyle. That is millennial entrepreneur Anthony Verrill. Nice to see you, sir. Still not, nice not, not, not a lot. Well, sir. Not a lot coming in yet. It's uh, wait. It's, it, it's gonna. It's it. Give, give me till. Uh, give, give me till the weekend. It'll be. Uh, it'll be back. I was wait. I was expecting full Bushman today. <laughs> I didn't get the full. Like I was hoping, like maybe Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. You've been in a trailer for a while. All I get is a little. Oh no 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 no. No. Okay, stubble. Yeah. Uh, all, all views of the Guaranteed Money Podcast and the guests on this podcast are purely opinion. You should not treat any of these opinions expressed by our guests as investment or gambling advice. The views on this podcast are solely intended to be informational and are not investment advice. I'm sure that's a record somewhere. Probably not my own personal best, but let's go with it anyway. Anthony, I know it's hard in the world of uh, the world in which we live right now that is going seemingly to hell in a handbasket. Uh, we've got, you know, Russians invading <laughs> Ukraine, uh, markets uh, taking a shit kicking. We're getting uh, started on uh, we're getting started on this on, on, on this note today. Well, I was just going to say it's hard to focus on the world of sports gambling because it does seem somewhat trivial. And I got to recognize that in the grand scheme yeah. of things. But that is our purpose. That is our goal. That is what we kind of hone yeah. in on every week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the geopolitical stuff is uh, driving me a little bit crazy now. It seems like everything's levered to it. Um, I mean, it's driving up the price of oil. It's driving up the price of gold and silver. It's shooting crypto down to the fucking floor. Um, the stock market is just trading on headlines. It's almost like uh, sports betting is everyone's panacea that they could just unplug from uh, fr- from all of the BS that's going on. You need something to keep you uh, keep you a little bit sane. And some people, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, athletics do that for me. Yeah, you got the return of the NBA tonight, so we'll get into some of that. Dustin Gauker, the editor and analyst at Play oh, yeah. Canada and Play USA, uh, he's going to join us a little later on in the pod to talk about the Canadian market. Ontario opening up in six weeks. That is going to be absolutely massive. If you notice on all of these earnings calls, Ontario gets mentioned a lot. It would be the fifth largest state if it were in the United States of America. Uh, so we'll look forward to see what he has to say about that. But I guess Caesars was really the the big story of the week this week. I sat on the earnings call and, you know, we were talking to our lead financial writer at TDR, uh, Benjamin A. Smith, and he was saying the same thing that I kind of felt. The earnings report was interesting the way it was written. It was like kind of, okay, it didn't didn't look like Caesars was doing anything big. But when you got on the call and you heard their CEO and he started to talk about curtailing ad spending and, you know, they kind of, you know, I I almost pictured George Bush flying in with the mission accomplished banner behind him. I felt like Caesars felt like they had their shit buttoned up this week. Yeah. I mean, I I like to think of, I don't want to be cliche, but I mean, as far as the ad spend goes around these large wagering, uh, wagering companies, it's a good race to zero. Um, and that's getting to that minimum ad spend that they're going to need to burn to actually build their user base. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's great. I mean, I, I love that we've seen okay numbers come out and then these guys get on the conference calls and then they blow everyone away. Um, it's what Elon Musk was famous for doing. It's it's what Tim Cook um, sure. is, is famous for doing. It's what Steve Jobs was famous for doing. Um, so, I mean, it's great. I mean, they, they get on, they actually explain what's going on. They, they paint a much larger picture, um, which it is um, a much larger picture than what's uh, than just what's going on in the gambling space. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it, it, it's great to see what, what just happened there. It was it the Russians. 
Was it the Russians? Are we having my a red ring light? Dawn? My ring, my ring light fell. I literally caught it in the middle okay. of uh, yeah. My, my my ring light was falling, and I just kept the thought going. I thought we were having a red dawn moment where like you're, it, uh, you're sitting in your it, classroom, it, the Russians are coming over the hill. You see them. That was a great movie, by the way. Red Dawn. Did you ever watch Red Dawn? Yeah. Okay. I wanted to make sure that this wasn't just. Uh, like I've a seen it a couple thing. times, actually. Okay. Good. Uh, what oh, no, 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 no. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm young enough to, to have heard of it. Okay, because they did a redux too, right? They did a second kind of remake. It wasn't as good as the original one. Didn't have. Oh, I haven't fun. seen the original. I think the, I think there was one that came out a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> with uh, the original, it's way it was better. A, it was. Um, yeah, I haven't seen the original. It was okay. uh, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Chris Hemsworth's brother. Um, the guy that plays Thor, I think he was in it. it was, I saw it on HBO. Okay. <laughs> Not the movie I'm talking about at all. You need to watch the old one. Okay. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about this. I saw this. I saw the C- reboot. I saw the reboot for Gen Z's and millennials. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. This is, the, this is the generational difference between the two of us. And I love it. Uh, Tom Rogers of Engine Media. He's the executive chairman of that, <laughs> of that company. Uh, he told CNBC's Squawk Box that there are four things that need to happen in the sports wagering industry. And I thought this was interesting and worth um, having a walkthrough and having a conversation because, listen, we've, we've talked about consolidation. I'll hit that point in just a second because I think that there's, there might be an interesting angle to it. But he started by saying that differentiation needs to happen in the market, that there's too much of the same going on out there. And it's not just, you know, wagers against the house, the the people. And we talked about this when we talked about startups this week. The people in the industry that get involved in the peer-to-peer, so me and Anthony betting against one another, as opposed to betting against the house, if they, yeah. if they, you know, one of the big names decides to go into that that part of the space, they might have an advantage versus everybody who's just doing it the same old same. Oh, I think they're going to. Um, I mean, honestly, after we started going that going down that startup list um, last week, I mean, that's that's validation to what I was saying about how what's going to be the next daily fantasy sports or what's going to be the next facet um, of these companies. They're going to innovate. They're going to have to innovate and they're going to have to come up with creative ways to keep us engaged. And I mean, just look at what daily fantasy did daily fantasy. Now I can compete P 2 P with my friends every Sunday outside of my step completely static fantasy league. That's literally the same shit every week with the same people with the same team. Um, there's going to be a uh, gap. A paradigm shift um, in the user experience for sports books. And it's going to be whoever gobbles up uh, the technology first and whoever gets it to their user base first um, will probably what will probably win that race. The other part he brought up, and I, I think that this is key because you obviously have to look at other markets and what works and what's successful in other markets. The UK has had sports wagering uh, long before the United States, long before Canada. They're, they're sort of the, oh, the yeah. OGs of it all. Uh, he says, you know, we need to have companies that have more of a focus and push out more the idea of in-game wagering. And we've talked about it before, but when you drill down the numbers, 74% of wagering in the United Kingdom is in-game wagering. And for folks who don't know what that means, it means once the game starts, people then start to put bets on based on what's happening, uh, whether they think a player is going to get over a certain amount of rebounds or points, uh, what the outcome may be, an adjusted spread. So you've got maybe a, a solid favorite to start that gets behind a little early. You put a little wager on that. You get it at a better number than you would ever have before the whistle went off. I don't think he's wrong on that either. Although when you look at the promotions that are out there in the, in this industry, they don't tend to focus on that part of the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like in-game wagering, but I also feel like 
if your thesis is to let the game start and then kind of place the bets in any different direction, I think it's almost kind of like fool's gold to an extent because I've seen teams that are heavy heavy favorites to win come out flat and then wind up just smoking the team uh, the rest of the game. I've seen players start cold and then they get super hot. Um, I, I mean, I think in-game betting is is good. I mean, I like in-game betting for certain scenarios, but I mean, I'm not, I, I, me personally, I'm not leveraging in-game betting um, heavier than uh, that, that than traditional pre-game uh, wagers that I'd put on players and teams. You don't think it would I've be more of an... more in-game bets than I've, that, than I've won, for but sure. From, from a business point of view, you don't think it would be more of an attractive offering if more people knew about it and that it was exposed a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think it takes more nuance. I mean, you got to be like in there, like going through and updating the looking at the updated lines, which might be more difficult from people from a user experience and a tech perspective. Um, but from a business perspective, yeah, I'd be pumping that shit out like like you couldn't believe. I'd be wanting to incentivize people during the games to be uh, to be augmenting their bets or taking different sides. Um, so yeah, I mean, it definitely definitely makes it a more dynamic experience um, for the for the books. One of the things he mentioned in his, his list of four is more exclusivity when it comes to deals with major leagues and major teams. I think we can kind of gloss by that one. I think that's fairly obvious, and I think that's going to shake out in the next couple of years. But he also mentioned consolidation, and it got me thinking about you think the that's idea. feasible? What's that, more exclusivity? Yeah, do you think that's feasible, like some books getting exclusivity with leagues? I don't think you're going to have much of a choice because I, I don't think I mean, I think that's a... I was going to say, I don't think that there are going to be leagues that are going to want to hold on to losing propositions, meaning, you know, if you've got your, and I don't want to name any companies or single any companies out, but if you've got a, an advertiser that's a fifth tier and a fourth tier, wouldn't you want to move up to the, the number one and number two to make your franchise or your league look the best it can? Because some of these teams are going to end up being in, in relationships oh, yeah. and, and join, you know, in, in relationships with absolute dogs that they're going to want to have no part of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I actually that 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 that's a pretty good point of view. That's a pretty good point of view. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that actually would work. I'm curious to see how that shakes out um, as far as as far as books, I guess, aligning overall with leagues um, from a product perspective. There's a, there's also the other point of consolidation, and I'd love to know because I, w- I was thinking about this today. Do you think you know we saw Microsoft buy Activision, and there was a bit of a deal there, right? They thought, okay, well, this is something we can use. This is something we can put in our stable. We're going to get it on the cheap. So let's get in there and do it. Do you think that there's a potential here that an industry outsider, let's put Microsoft on the table, that sees somebody selling cheap and thinks, you know what, we could probably turn that around. We could, you're nodding already. I love this. So go ahead, because I'm curious to see what you think about that idea. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like a Microsoft, someone like an Apple, um, so shit, someone like a Google, um, a tech company could take one of these platforms and just scale it into their tech stack. Um, and their product offerings, especially ones that own app stores, ones that own platform companies. Um, I could definitely see one of the monolith like Web2 tech giants. Um, these guys need to innovate. These guys need to go into different pockets of, of user bases. And I mean, this is one that you can monetize. And this is one that you can monetize into perpetuity. You know what I think would be cool is if you saw someone like TD Ameritrade or if you saw like a, like a financial institution. Um, gobble up one of these uh, one of these sports wagering companies um, and see how that or or a fintech someone like a PayPal um, buys buys DraftKings or FanDuel and then integrates it straight into their app. Um, now you can trade crypto, sports wager, bank. You can do everything you possibly want with uh, with currency. 
um, on there. I, I actually think the poss- that's a really good point because I actually do think the possibilities are uh, are kind of endless um, for a much larger enterprise level suitor to come in and, and scoop up one of these companies. Good. I'm glad I'm not off the mark on that. This is the shit. This is the shit I think about over morning coffee. By the way, I'm like, what happened? What would happen if a if another player yes. came in from the outside? Because yeah. I think I think often the I mistake like is. Lot. The, often the mistake I think we make is we don't kind of use the prism method. We, we're used to the status quo that we're fed, and then we all act surprised when somebody comes off the sidelines and jumps in and swoops into something, and we think, oh, wow, we didn't see that coming. I think you've got to kind of turn it on its head every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of like when you, see can- when you saw Canopy Growth um, get that large investment by Constellation Brands. Um, it was just someone from a sector that was going to have exposure down the road at no point in time in the in the near term, but I mean they came in, they put the capital down, and they and they took that risk um, off the bat. I mean, yeah, I could see someone like a fintech or like a financial institution or a large tech player um, coming in and just re- and put planting the flag uh, early, um, as these companies usually have tremendous foresight. We've got lots to come as Guaranteed Money continues. We're going to talk a little bit about the Honda Open, a little bit of golf. You know we like to do a little golf around here as we lead into a weekend. Also want to talk about March Madness and the conference tournaments and see uh, kind of where we stand. I think there are a couple of real key indicators that are going on right now that people need to look at if they're looking at future wagering, if they're looking at betting on those those conference championships. So we will get to that in just a moment. But we had a chance to sit down with Dustin Gauker to talk about Canada's market, to talk about the Ontario market and what might be unfolding there in the next couple of weeks and months. Uh, he is the editor and analyst at Play Canada. We'll check that conversation and we will come back with our picks as Guaranteed Money continues. And you're listening to Guaranteed Money, part of TDR. This is going to be an interesting conversation because the next few weeks in Canada, in the province of Ontario, uh, they're going to be fascinating to watch. Multiple players in the space, multiple people wanting that big piece of a what is becoming a dwindling pie. We're going to break that down in a second uh, with Dustin Gauker, who is the editor and analyst at Play Canada. But Dustin, you wear many hats, and it's going to be a, a good opportunity to talk about many different things that are going on, not just in Canada, but in North America at large. Good to have you. Thanks. Yeah, I've been covering sports betting for about seven years now. Uh, it was at the Supreme Court when they uh, they heard the case that ended up legalizing it in the U- U.S. And uh, yeah, the, exciting that we're getting uh, an expansion of it here uh, in the regulated market in Canada. All right, let's talk about that then. You were you were there when the seed was planted. When we talk about that Supreme Court case, fast forward. Did you expect it to look like this and the rollout to look the way it has across many of the United States? Uh, absolutely not. I was definitely thinking it would be slower, but the adoption rate was just crazy fast. Uh, lawmakers and legislatures don't usually move very fast on anything, but there has been uh, just a groundswell of support for legalized sports betting here in the U.S. to the point that we, I think at last count, there's some form of legal sports betting in 30 states in D.C. Now, not all of that's online betting, but um, if you had told me that in 2018, we'd be up to that number of states already uh, and that Canada would have followed in legalizing single-game sports Sports betting, I would have called you crazy back then, but that's the world we live in now. What do you peg it as? What do you, what do you peg the rush when it comes to state governments and in, in you know Canada's case, provincial governments? When we talk about Ontario, is it simply the the tax base that they're looking at? The number, you know, you've got COVID in the backdrop. Governments are trying to make money. Is that all part of the rush we've seen in your opinion over the last couple of years? Yeah, it's different in different places. You know, Canada, it's already existed as a gray market product for a long time. So you're just bringing that into the regulated market, realizing tax revenue, you know, protecting customers, things like that. That's why I think you've seen it 
a quick adoption by the lotteries and now this expanded uh, open market that you're going to see in Ontario. In the U.S., it's you know there's there's really good lobbying for it uh, at the state level. You have to legalize it state, just like in uh, Ontario, you have to legalize it state by state here. And there's just been a lot of support for like this was this is already happening in the black market. People can go bet wherever they want, so it's a very easy argument to say, hey, we should bring this into the light. Sports leagues want it. Um, casino companies want it. Everybody wants it here. So the the lobbying and the lift has been very easy from that, especially in states that already have casinos. So it's it was much the same. Although there's we might get into that in Ontario. There's a little bit of push. There's been a little bit of pushback on that. But it's really just uh, you know, it's sports betting is the shiny new toy. Everybody kind of wants it, and there's not really a great reason not to legalize it in in a lot of places. When you look at the markets, and we largely cover a lot of the market space here from TDR and guaranteed money. Uh, sort of tale of two companies over the last week or so. When you've got DraftKings, they came out with some pretty disappointing earnings numbers. Uh, they have pumped a whack, I think that's the technical term, of money into their into their marketing budgets. You know, we've seen it across uh, across the United States, and it's going to be here in Canada as well. Uh, that's been sort of their tact. It didn't didn't really overwhelm people. In fact, to the contrary, they overwhelmed people. Shares went down. <laughs> we also saw Caesars, and they came out and basically said, "We're not going to market anymore. We're good. We've actually." knocked off all of the points that we were trying to achieve. We're going to focus through our player reward system, although that was already a good database, on really finding the gambler that's spending the money. So we're done with this over-the-top marketing, and we see profit turning probably 2023, whereas DraftKings, that road looks a lot harder. It looks a lot longer. I find that juxtaposition fascinating. Yeah, and you know when you're doing these earnings calls, you're trying to tell a story, right? You're, try- you're uh, all of these companies are trying to prove long-term growth and viability. Then that has that so far that has meant spending a lot of money to acquire customers. Because if you don't have customers, you're on the bottom tier. You're you're not going anywhere. You could be sitting out and waiting. But right now, the to, the cost to compete and to sh- say, hey, we're growing is spending an exorbitant amount of money on acquiring customers, whether that's traditional marketing or, or, you know, Caesar's buying a Super Bowl ad or what have you. So like Caesar saying, yeah, we're good. I don't know. That's, that, 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 that doesn't actually ring true to me. I mean, if they're, they're going to sit back and say, we're like three, four, five in the U S market. Sure. Like, but that's not, they're not going to just say, Oh, we've all acquired all these customers and now we're going to rocket up to number one. That's that position still hailed by a FanDuel. Uh, DraftKings arguably number two, um, but has not really eaten into that FanDuel lead. And then you have MGM on the side also spending a lot of money aggressively spending. So. Uh, th- we also know this is just not sustainable, right? This, you can't spend billions of dollars on acquiring customers. True. At some point, there has, this has to get right sized, and companies have to start turning profits. Now, you know, DraftKings said it's in existing states where it's not uh, where it's already you know acquired a lot of customers. It's going to be profitable. That's you know, obviously, they're spending a lot of money in New York. There's a fifty one percent tax rate, effective tax rate in New York. So there's a lot. There's a lot going on, a lot to unpack. But the 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 large story is people like the early days of sports betting were. Hey, we just need to show growth. We're getting into new states, all that. Very exciting. But now people want to say, what's the long term plan? And some mm-hmm. of that is, you know, it not, you're not necessarily making a, a lot of money in the short term or any money. So, you know, these, this is, this has been a long, long play for a lot of them. So investors, you know, and DraftKings went from, you know, I think it was trading 70 US dollars at one point and now back down under 20, um, you know, because it's only an online sports spending company. So there's a lot going on in the US market, but there was definitely seeing a little bit of pull, uh, of pullback from investors who, who want to see some results and not just endless spending. One of the things I noticed as, as a common bond between the, both of those investors calls as I sit and, sit and listen to the same narrative you're talking about, the one that was kind of being spun by both companies, the word Ontario came up a lot. The Canadian market came up a lot. We're just about six weeks 
away from a very big launch in what would be the fifth largest state if it was an American state. Uh, so obviously, it's a market that these companies are focused on. What are you noticing? What kind of trends are you noticing? Because this this looks like a market that is going to be flooded by companies. And as you say, it's not sustainable. When we talk about the numbers of companies that are coming in uh, into the Ontario market, that's not going to be sustainable either. So what sticks out to you? Yeah, it's it's almost entirely different from the U.S. Like, yes, we uh, regulated mark sports books are competing with the black markets, the bet onlines, Bavadas, etc., which also uh, often serve Canada. But there's again, as you know, there's this existing gray market where you know everybody who's wanted to serve uh, Ontario and Canada has to you know th- bet three sixty fives and bet on net ninety nine, which you've seen uh, sign some NHL deals. Mm-hmm. So you have that dynamic. You don't you don't have this this kind of groundswell of oh it was illegal and now it's legal. So that's an interesting dynamic in Ontario because like does the average consumer is that going to move the needle? Are these companies? Who are both ex- already in the in the in the province and are going to um, you know be a part of the regulated market and the external companies, the DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, Caesars, Barstool, the Score, all of these are they going to spend a lot of money to say, hey, we're now here, and will that create tailwinds in terms of customer acquisition? There's a lot lot to unpack, and uh, it's I'm not I'm not calling it a traditional launch like we've seen here. Like it's basically you flick a switch here, right, and it's legal. Sure, and you, you already you already like. Ontarians are very already ingrained, I think, with with sports betting and, and and online betting. It's just now it's coming into the regulated market. I think a lot will depend. You know, you hear Caesars not say they're going to spend. I think that like who knows what is. I mean, you and I know what Caesars are, and I mean, you follow this industry, right? But who does does the average person in Ontario have any idea what Caesars is, other than there's a casino across the border, right? That's far, like, but that's far like, away from a city like Toronto. We're not talking about a right. ten minute drive here. Right. So you, yeah, you, there's, there's this, you, like, you, if you're going to really make, if you're not a known quantity already in the pro, in Ontario, like, what are you going to do? Like, you're, are you, I, when we don't know, I don't know what, I don't know what all these big companies, the, the market leaders here in the US, what are they going to do? Cause it, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel have some DFS customers. They have a little bit of name recognition, but most people don't know what these brands are. MGM has a national footprint. Caesars has a national footprint. These are, these are companies that people already knew and then spent a lot to let people know that they have sports betting apps. Like, you go into Ontario, what does that look like? You're going against, a much bigger market. You don't. You're, you don't have a God-given right to just be number one right off the bat by based on your existing databases and things like that. So it's it's going to be fascinating to see what they do um, to 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 eat into it. Then you have the, like the score, which is well, that's what, an interesting that's, one too. Yeah. yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up because I mean, the, the more I hear you say that, I know that you know you look about twenty percent of people in the Ontario market have that score app already on their phone, and I think Penn when they decided to you know take that make that acquisition they were looking at themselves and saying well this is going to prime the pump a little bit this might give us a bit of an insider edge and i don't i don't tend to disagree with that idea because every guy i know since pretty much high school has had the score app as part of their day-to-day routine you wake up you check the scores you flip a switch now you're able to wager on it that seems to give them a bit of a leg up yeah, absolutely. Then they absolutely, you're right. Penn National definitely acquired them for, for that dynamic. The fact that they are already in people's pockets, it shouldn't, it should in theory be easy to convert. Here's the problem with that though, is that we've have some data, we have a lot of data from the US where, you know, it's not like nobody uses the score in the US. It's all, I mean, I use the score. Um, uh, there's lots of people I know who do use it. They have not really done a great job of taking that existing sports fan customer and converting them to a sports better. They have, they are also rans to the point that they're not even a tier two operator in the U S they, you know, they've been in New Jersey for a while and they, they're a rounding error in the, in the total uh, activity in sports betting here. So, and then, and then in fact, in a lot of States. So there's a, 
It'll be interesting to see because there is absolutely more penetration of a more well-known, I'd say, brand in Ontario and across Canada if they expand beyond that. But it's, uh, but yeah, they're they're counting on. Hey, you know what the score is? You already have it in your pocket. Hey, here's a, here's a game with odds. Go bet on it over here at our at our app. That's that sounds like I've always been a big believer in it too. But it's also just not borne itself out in the U.S. So it'll be super interesting if there's a different dynamic in Ontario. You know, it's also interesting when you look at the FanDuel model, and I was commenting on this on, on one of the podcasts the other day. You look at their CEO, and she's basically said, uh, we're going to keep with the same model we have. We're going to, you know, focus on, you know, games themselves. We're going to talk about the TNT in-game parlay. We're going to have the same game parlay for people. We're going to hitch our wagon to sports products where, you know, the eyes may already be there. We're going to give them a reason to stay. Do you see that model maybe rolling out in a place like Ontario where you've got such solidified and, so, you know, you know, brand name household sports brands i think the raptors i think the leafs i think tfc loyal fan bases where you can model and i'm assuming that's what FanDuel has in the pipe that's the kind of rumbling i've heard underground where you can hitch your wagon to an mlsc and say we are we are part and parcel of this brand and perhaps that gives you a, a an advantage somehow uh, to wooing new customers I mean, that's a lot of the model here is beyond just initially acquiring the customers through the, you know, the, the big bonuses and, uh, and putting commercials out there and content partnerships. It's, it's just being part of people's lives and ingraining yourselves in their lives. Like you can hear, you know, commercials are ubiquitous in any state that has legal sports spending. You're, you, you watch NBA and, and NFL games, you're getting DraftKings and FanDuel. And, you know, again, we talked about Caesars on the Super Bowl you, until they cut, cut everything off, but you just see, you just, these are, just part of watching sports now here. Uh, again, I, we talked before we got on. I'm a Phillies fan. Like you yep. can't watch a, an MLB broadcast right now without uh, a live read for points bet, a DraftKings stat of the day. You know, this is like, this is part of it. Like that's part of it is just being so ingrained. Like oh, I I associate sports betting with with this brand, right? And that's you know points bet. We've talked we haven't talked about much, but they have a you know a strong Canadian arm, and they're they're going to try to make a big push here as well. Um, but yeah, it's just always being part of people's lives. And that's why you see people increasingly in, in content partnerships, Pat McAfee and FanDuel, right? Like just being, just being there and having a brand that people know and trust and just it becomes ubiquitous. They're not quite there yet, but it's, you know, it's hard. It's really hard to be a sports fan and not really know what some of these companies are up to. Uh, and, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings have been doing this for, for, you know, six, seven years with, with DFS. So they're, they're brands that, you know, sports fans, I think are really, uh, really aligned with. And you're going to, yeah, who, who, who tells that story the best and who has the best penetration in Ontario will be an interesting story to follow. Is there any dark horse that you might see coming out of this pack? Because it, it is a big field. You know, if we were talking about a horse race, you'd have to add the extra gates and whatnot uh, to get these <laughs> horses out, uh, out come April. Is there anybody you're looking at thinking mm, that might be somebody no one's talking about right now? Yeah, I mean, the U.S. brands are not the ones. We've pretty much hit anybody who has a shot. I mean, Bet Rivers is an interesting one because they have some partnerships up there. And I've, I know... They've been aggressive. They're not a well-known brand. They're, you know, they have regional casinos here in the U.S. and uh, have done have have actually punched above their weight, I'd say, with their digital arm and creating, uh, getting people into their their app and and and, and generating meaningful amount of, of revenue and handle. Um, so that's one where I think there's a chance. Um, you know, again, we the legacy ones. Bet three sixty five is you know already has a lot of people there, sure. right? That's the that's you know it's it's no brainer. It's going to be these other kind of legacy brands, UK rest of world brands like uh, you know uh, Betway and things like that. Those are they're not dark horse either but those are ones we haven't talked about um yeah i don't know the score is the one that's interesting to me because they have not done well in the u.s they're the, again i can't the 
can't can't emphasize how much they've not really succeeded here. Um, but this is this is this is the reason Penn acquired them. So will they finally will they live up to that billing and be able to you know be a, a top sports betting product in in, in Canada, Ontario? That's what I'm looking at. When it comes to digital versus brick and mortar, I, I know I've got a lot of people that ask me, and I'm sure you get to ask this question a lot. You know, are they going to be building more? I even on on the Caesars call uh, a couple of days ago, they were talking about the idea of. New York, are they ready for a brick and mortar sports book? Uh, you know, is there going to be some sort of casino? There's logistic problems in New York. So when we talk about Ontario, the premier of Ontario has talked about casinos that has come up from time to time. Do you see perhaps some of these entities getting into the brick and mortar uh, aside from the sports arenas? I know the Yankees, they're looking at kiosks. I'm sure there's going to be something uh, when we talk about the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. But the idea of a standalone brick and mortar sports book where people can go in almost in the Las Vegas style sense and put a bet down and a wager down and watch a game. I can't imagine that's not coming. You know, yeah, we have we've had it here for Nevada. I think sports betting was legalized in 40, 1949. They've online betting for more than a decade now. Like that's it's an amenity that's just you know it's part of just the experience of going to casinos, and it's that's expanded well beyond Nevada now too. But you know, uh, even though it's a relatively small part of the overall, like how much is being bet, it's obviously way more is being bet online. Any place here in the U.S. that has legalized it, it's something like you know eighty, ninety percent of, of of wagers are coming online, and usually upwards of that too, um, except for in Nevada, which is you know so much, so many more people ingrained going to the sports books. But yes, you're gonna. I think you absolutely have to see that. You know, it's it's a different experience, a different customer. A lot of times, somebody wants to go sit and watch a game and, and bet in person and all of that. I think you're gonna see that, um, and you'd be silly not to. Again, you you have casinos there, or you you can have you know could possibly have them in arenas, the sports leagues, despite their opposition to sports betting in a long time, have, have now basically embraced sports betting. So you'll absolutely see that. Um, you know, the more important part is getting online up and running and, and real and start converting people to that, to that regulated market. But you're definitely going to see more of the brick and mortar as well. Dustin Gauker, editor and analyst at Play Canada. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. And I'm looking forward to more conversations like that as we get closer to the opening of the Ontario and Canadian markets when it comes to the gambling space. Oh, this is the fun part, Anthony. This is the part people look for, right? Uh, where we dole out a few picks, what we're looking at. Uh, we've got oh, yeah. the Honda Open. Well, let's start in the world of golf. Honda Open this weekend. Um, I'm going to, I don't know if this is a, a long shot or not. I got him at plus 1600. What is that? What's that noise you're making? What's happening? I'm, uh, I'm looking up the odds so I can actually have an educated <laughs> uh, conversation here. I see. I like Brooks Kepka. Uh, Ooh, so you took that my would fucking pick. The, see, that's a good. That's a good news story, then, isn't it? If we're on the same page, I think yeah. uh, the blonde bomber gets this done this time around. Uh, a couple long shot plays for me: Keith Mitchell, who's just been punching way over his weight and continues to do so, and Adam Wise. I've got Adam Wise on my list. Um, I would put him in the top five. I would put Keith Mitchell in the top five, and I would put uh, and I have put a little bit of my you know the lion's share of my pot in on Brooks Kepka. So you like you like him too. Yeah, BK B, B, BK would be my pick this weekend. I mean, he's a Palm Beach boy. Um he owns this course. Um I went last year and when we walked in, he ha I happened to walk in right to his hole. Um uh, we followed him for like the first like four holes. Watching that guy just stripe the fucking ball down the course was Wild. like insane to see in person. I mean, just the just the way that he hits the ball and how fast and how far he hits it. Um, it's insane. I mean, if he's dialed in this weekend, I would say that he's probably the favorite uh, to win the Honda. So, I mean, I was yeah. going to take BK regardless of the odds. Um, that'd be that, that that'd be my horse. Also, um, Berger, uh, Daniel Berger wouldn't be too Daniel bad at that either. I know that he's the second favorite 
But I mean, he's a Palm Beach guy as well. Um, these guys are just going to be comfortable and, uh, and know exactly what to do. We also have to take a look at the fact that Neiman is in this tournament and, you know, he went guns ablazing last week. It's, it's a rarity to go back to back, you know, in yeah. that situation, but he's in great condition. He's in great form. You've got to kind of keep an eye out on the guy. I, I would hate to see him take a lead like he did last time. Cause I think a lot of the time that ruins the interest that ruins a lot of golf tournaments when you've got a guy yeah. who's not catchable after day two. Well, I mean, for me last weekend, I was watching that like, all right, well, this guy's going to collapse on Saturday. Like, let's see now BK and Maury Kyle are probably going to run up the board um, and, and make a move here. And I mean, he just kept playing. Um, he was on. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I know that he's, he obviously played stellar last weekend. Um, I'd be curious to see how he plays, how he plays this weekend. If he can repeat that, uh, repeat that magic that we saw. Cause I mean, he was lights out four days in a row. We've got uh, conference tournaments coming up in uh, college basketball, only a handful of games in the regular season. Uh, then, of course, you've got the uh, March Madness starting off uh, March 17th, I believe it is, is the first. Yep. You know, you've got the play-in games, but the first games uh, of the regular tournament. Uh, I just want to put out a word of caution. This is more of a word of caution than anything, because I don't remember in my lifetime a more wide-open field going into not only the conference tournaments, but also into March Madness. And I am watching... Game after game after game. I'm up late watching these games. Uh, some of them I have a wagering interest in. Some of them I'm watching just as a spectator to try to take some notes to figure out who the top dog is going to be. I would push away against a lot of viewed blue chip prospects when it comes to teams. I think this is going to be a year where you're going to see some upsets. Now I say that and my pivot is going to be the ACC tournament where I look at a team like North Carolina, who is, of course, a blue chip prospect most yeah. of the time. They've got a lot of talent. They don't necessarily have the same teams that they normally do. I look at two teams in the ACC. You're not going to like the second. My second is Miami. I think Miami really? has a, 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 yeah, I think they have a big, bold I mean, shot. I'm a, Hurricanes. I'm a Hurricanes fan. I love that pick. I thought you went to Florida State. I did, but I grew up, I grew up like orange and green, like my entire life. Like I was like a diehard okay. Hurricanes fan um, my All entire right. life. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I, I, I awesome. I'm I'm all yeah. I'm all for the Miami pick. Um, North Carolina would be a great story as they were trash last year. Um, I think they they didn't even make the tournament um, last year. But I mean, yeah, I mean Miami, they, awesome. Yeah, I, so I, yeah. I like the two of them in the ACC. In the Big Twelve, again, I'm away from the blue chips. Although Texas Tech has been ranked all season for the most yeah. part, I like Texas Tech to get it done. I like the way they're playing ball. I would fade the living hell out of Texas. I've seen them drop too many games or play uninterested, disinterested basketball yeah. down the stretch in big games. So I can't put any any stock into them uh, in the Big East. Watch out for the Creighton Blue Jays. Creighton's Unranked. one of those names, to be honest, like Creighton. And they're, they're, these aren't all Big East, but like Creighton, Davidson. There's like a couple yep. schools that every year when I the see Daytona them in the bracket, racer, the Daytona Racer, Daytona Flyers. Yeah. yeah. When, when I see those names on the bracket, like uh, Xavier, St. John's, I'm like, I'm yeah. taking these guys. These are going to be these are going to be the upsets because when they're good, they're good. Um, they get they get talent. And the beauty of the tournament is you only have to start clicking for a couple of games, and it becomes yeah. this you know downhill tire that you know, it just starts to pick up momentum. So I, I think the Big East is a complete crapshoot. I don't like any of their teams to get to the the big dance, the Final Four. Yeah. But in the Big East, I like Creighton because you could have a team just do damage and get one of those write in bids for winning the Big East. Uh, the Big Ten, I do not trust Michigan State. I do not no. trust the Spartans. Don't like what I've seen. They've been up and down, hit and miss. Not the kind of team I like to trust in, in the in the big dance. 
Uh, Rutgers, I think, is it was on a great streak up until last night. Then they got pounded. I think they've peaked too early. Watch out for Iowa. Watch out for Iowa. I'm dying got for a your SEC. Year. I'm dying for your SEC pick. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, because I, I can rush that. because so. I think the winner of the SEC is probably going to be the winner of the tournament. Okay, well, that's interesting. Okay, so I'm going to I skip by very quickly the Pac-12. I think UCLA, they were there last year. I don't think they're going to be there this year. USC, they're great on the road. Keep an eye on them if you're looking for somebody at a really good value play. And it's going to be down to two teams for me in the SEC. Um, I think the Tennessee Volunteers do a lot of things right. Yeah. And in any other year, I would probably have them going very deep into March Madness and perhaps being in the Final Four and even uh, cutting the nets down. I like the Arkansas Razorbacks. This really? team does. Oh, yeah. They do a lot of things right. They're big. They're physical. They're defensive. They seem to get it going at the right time in games. You know, when you start to see a team kind yeah, of yeah. slip, they punch right back. They they tick a lot of boxes for me. A lot of people are buzzing about Alabama. I'm not fully buying into it because I mm. think that they're one of those teams that do let games slip down the road, yeah. down the stretch. So. Don't sleep on the Arkansas Razorbacks. I think they've got a very big, legitimate shot. And I say that as a guy who only has, I only have one future play on the national championship, and that is Kansas. But I'm going to load up on some of these other teams that I've mentioned as we go in the weeks towards. So I like Kansas. If you like, I like, I do yeah. like Kansas still, but I think that they've, they've got to prove to me that they can put it together and string together wins. They haven't yeah. done that. And of course, I've already invested in them way earlier in the season. So that's kind of how March Madness is shaping out for me. And more importantly, I think those conference tournaments, Anthony, because there's a lot of value in those tournaments. Yeah, do your research, absolutely. do your homework. There's a lot of value there. Yeah, there's there's tons. There's tons of value around those around those early games, especially um, in March Madness and those conference tournaments. I'm probably going to stick to my guns and ride Kentucky. Um I still think that that's my future bet for the for the actual tourney, and then I would uh, I'm probably sticking with them to cut down the nets. Um, I do believe I do I am I am with you though that I think this tournament's going to be nuts. Um, I yeah. think there's going to be a ton of upsets. I think it's going to be someone that you don't even know or don't even think about that's going to be in the final. It's going to be like a five four um, final or something crazy from the two sides um, that come together. I'm I'm actually really pumped for this tournament this year, especially that we get to, yeah, go to Vegas for the uh, for the first weekend. That's right. Don't don't sleep on the uh, number. Like, don't look at the number ones and think automatic. Hey, that's a no. bright shiny object. I've got to chase. I don't think this no. is the tournament to do that. I the really confirmation, you know, the confirmation bias in college sport and college basketball kills you. It would not shock me if we're doing a podcast from March Madness and talking about the fact that Gonzaga just went down. I wouldn't. I, be surprised. I would not be stunned by that. I wouldn't be. Sur- I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, that that's that 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 very well could happen. We've got some big name guests next week on guaranteed money should we we should we give people a little hint yeah we give a little taste all right jack settlement is going to be on the show next week snapback sports i'm looking forward to having a conversation with him because not only is it snapback sports that he does but it's also knights of dgen which is right in your space oh yeah that's right my nft wheelhouse that's one of the projects that i'm pretty pretty levered to um i've been in it since the beginning it's gravitating to athletes um we've got des bryant um aj dillon um, is now in and it's going to be a uh, it's it's developing nicely. It's one of my top projects. They actually just bought a team in the fan controlled football league um, yeah. under the Knights of DGen moniker. Um, so it's uh, it's it's physical and digital. Um, NFTs are starting to creep their way into real life. Well, that's going to do it for us, man. Could we be busier on this program? I feel like we no. cover a lot of ground. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not physically possible. No, it's not, uh, we, 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 we've got possible. a lot moving and shaking on this, which is good. I love it. And I will see you uh, next time around. Thanks, brother. See you then.
Subscribe to Guaranteed Money wherever you get your podcasts and find out more details at thedalesreport.com. Don't forget also to check out our YouTube channel for more content.